0: All right, all right, everybody, it is that time again, the time that you have waited for all week long, it is time for the Techs Lab podcast coming to you from the green room at Vintage Grace Church, one of the most comfiest places on campus. I must add, uh, David Crawl here, back with Will Watson and uh, Will. Good to be back together.
1: Yeah, David, dude, we're so glad that you're back, man. Zach was smiling a little bit. No, I'm just kidding, Zach. We love you. Um, but I did hear this week and got to experience it yesterday. You had a special day yesterday.
0: I did. I turned twenty. No, you did. Years it- no,
1: you didn't. Add ten. You might think so.
0: <laughs> I uh, yeah yeah add ten. Yeah, I'm 33 now. My wife told me this is a big year. Jesus was doing a lot at 33, so I need to step up my game a little bit. Um, so but, we are going to do
1: a deep dive into the podcast. Today. Yes, that's right.
0: Um, but it was a good week and uh, good to be back on the text lab diving into John 18. This is the text lab for our leaders and our listeners who don't know. Every single week, we dive into the text really just to help you prepare for life group this week. So whether you are leading a group, um, just trying to do some deep diving on your own, our hope is that this will prepare you uh, to know what God has has said to us in his word to have a meaningful study, a meaningful conversation with a friend, family member, group member, and uh, just for us to really continue to learn and glean and love God's word. So we're in John 18, 1 through 27. Let's dive in. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So, Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Jesus, Judas who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the... The cup that the Father has given me. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people.
1: Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since the disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus in the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside of the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of uh, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is this how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed.
0: All right, well, a cool 27 verses here. Dive into this week, a good chunk of scripture. Tee us off. Where do we start?
1: Yeah, so we see this movement from the high priestly prayer to Jesus being offered up, right? Now, there's some language specific here, like we don't have uh, here in the book of John that's not in Uh, The other synoptic gospels, like we we have Judas's kiss, uh, we have this piercing look that Jesus gives Judas, some different things like that. Uh, All that is to say that this is very specific as to hey, what are some of the themes that we're tracing out here? Um, And yeah, I mean this new section, this book of glory, we're in chapters one through twelve, where the book of signs, showing and demonstrating what Christ, who Christ was. We see the thirteen through twenty one, this book of of glory! Uh, how Jesus demonstrated Christ's death, resurrection, um, and ascension. And in verse one of the another place we see this like throughout the text is in one five where uh, light is a major theme into this book.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You so you see here it's at night, light and darkness coming together, and I think even with those themes of uh, maybe some things that you would find in the synoptics, like Judas' kiss, these different things, noticing the detail that's in the passage, that detail always tells us something about the specific point that John is trying to make in the text. He's trying to tell a particular story in a particular way. And so as you know the Gospels, you know uh, and can see kind of the difference in the biblical writers, which just tells us something about the points they were trying to make. Some more of those details that are right here as you you start. um, The disciples go with Jesus to this garden. This wouldn't have been a garden that we would think of like today. It was this grove of trees, grove of olive trees. They're basically just in the woods with Jesus and the disciples. And then John says this band of soldiers comes to arrest Jesus. This would have been a significant Significant group of soldiers, think infantry and cavalry with them. They had weapons. And I, I think a point here is that John is showing with this type of detail. It's just the real climax of the story that we're entering into now in the narrative. Like you said, there's been the book of signs in chapters one through 12, the book of glory goes from 13 to 21, which really shows Jesus going to the cross. And this is this moment of, um, his glory really being revealed through his arrest through his death. Um and, and John is kind of showing us this is the climax of the scripture. And then it, we see the arrest actually happens. And there's some different things to pull out about how John tells us this story. What what's what's he pointing out here in the arrest of Jesus?
1: Yeah, look at the themes of glory, victory, sovereignty in the first 14 verses. We're here in chapter eight, right? So even in Christ's arrest, there's this hugely ironic statement of like saying Jesus is being arrested, but what? God is still sovereign over all things and so like this has still been the plan unfolding here Goth God is the author of the play uh, that is unfolding God is directing Jesus is in it he's the main character uh, and they are in complete control of what is going on uh, notice how we tie this to the I am statements. Uh, in his arrest, that he is still the great I am. Like, we Mm. see Jesus say this, um, and he is fully aware of everything that is about to happen. Um, Yeah, three I am statements there, in verses 1 through
0: 14, um, where Jesus continues to says, I am who I am, even while he's being arrested.
1: Yep, exactly right. And and then they fell back onto the ground when hearing Christ's words, uh, and and that... Jesus has not lost one of them that God has given them. And again, like Jesus is telling Peter, like, Put away your sword because my plan is something so much bigger than this. He even says, like, you must drink the cup. Like, I must drink this cup. You don't understand what you're trying to take away from me.
0: Mm -hmm. And so you really see the sovereignty of God still at work in verses 1 through 14, uh, even in the midst of Christ's arrest. I think you see this even in 12 through 14, where Caiaphas was the one who had said earlier in chapter 11 that it would be better for one person to die rather than for the Jewish nation to be taken away from by the Romans. And in his mind, he was saying that it's better for Jesus to die than the Romans come and take away our nation, he says, for all people to perish. And John uses a double meaning there, the irony that's even shown in this passage, like he often does, to demonstrate that uh, Jesus would die, but ultimately God's plan that Jesus would die for all people. And so John is really just drawing out this picture of even in the arrest of Christ. God's plan is still being carried out. Even in what seems like Jesus starting to lose here, uh, there's a victory that is coming about. And I think this is a great question just for our, our groups to discuss this week is, looking at this text, how is the sovereignty of God still demonstrated even in Jesus' arrest and even in Jesus' death? Just where do we see that in the text? How do we see that in the overall narrative, the sovereignty of God still at work? And then even in our own lives, when has been a place in your life where the sovereignty of God has been at work, um, in your life through something that maybe seemed like a difficult or painful moment. And maybe even like looking at Peter, like when, has there been a time when you've tried to kind of take control of a situation? Peter cuts off Malchus' ear and Jesus says, this is not the time. Maybe when was the time in your life when you've tried to take control uh, like Peter in verse 11, but Jesus had something else in mind. And then we move into verse 15 with Peter's denial. Of Jesus.
1: Yeah, so we see two disciples. One's not known, but is known by the high priest, right? So he goes in with Jesus, uh, and then Peter's the other one. And, And so this servant girl comes up to Peter and is like, hey... Aren't you one of the disciples? Um, and Peter's like, nope, don't want any of that. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to kill me too. Uh, so Peter goes back outside and he just gets closer to the fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and in Peter's denial here, from 15 uh, to 18, you see the fulfillment of what Jesus said was going to happen. At the end of 16, he says, all of you will scatter. And he says, all of you will leave me alone. And then just a few short uh, verses later, a few short chapters later, we see Peter denying Jesus and all the disciples scattering and leaving Christ alone. Even the contrast between verse 11 and verse 15, where Peter has this real bravado, this confidence, this um, just exuberance to pull out a sword and cut off the servant's ear. And then yet four verses later, he's denying Jesus. And so there's just a real contrast happening there with Peter in this text um, that John is making, showing um, just kind of the character development of Peter between his confidence and then suddenly his denial of Christ which I think there's a real humility to glean from this text um a real piece of of recognizing even how we are Peter so many times in our lives where we will be bold um about our belief in Christ yet then also quick to deny Jesus at times and you just really see that contrast happening in the denial of Christ by Peter and then we go back into the courtyard
1: yeah, and we're back into the courtyard, but are we in the middle of a Tarantino film? <laughs> like, I mean, we're going from one scene to another scene right. to another scene. Like, The scenes are just moving around yeah, right along. Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan in right. its full effect.
0: Yes, you can feel the narrative just developing from one scene to the next here, and not quite, but close. And so Peter's denying Christ, and suddenly we zoom into the high priest then questioning Jesus. This would have been like a police interrogation happening on Christ. Um, they're just interrogating him, asking him these different questions, and Jesus says, I've spoken openly to you, right? He says, I've done nothing in secret. What I've said bears witness um, to what I have done. And Why are you interrogating me? Why do you strike me? He says there at the end of verse 23. And there's just this contrast between the light and the darkness. That is present at the beginning of chapter 18, which I think is important to notice. They're going into the garden at nighttime. Um, The the, the themes of light and darkness, they've been these huge themes um, throughout the book of John. Um, Back to John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. And here you see what John talked about in John 1, 5 being played out. Light and darkness in conflict with one another. And Jesus is really saying, I've walked openly, i have not talked, uh, spoken in secret. You know what I have said. And there's this question, is darkness going to overcome the light here or not? And John is showing his readers how the light overcomes the darkness.
1: Yeah, and I think there is something that Jesus is doing here that we can notice and learn from and how he interacts with the high priest, right? So, to be clear, like Jesus wasn't trying to be smart or, but really he was just being honest. Like, mm. this response, let me remind Jesus who he is talking to, right? The high priest, like, gets this view from Jesus and he's like, wait, are you giving some tone? Mm right? Like, is this the tube that's coming out? And Jesus is like, no, hey, look, this is truthful. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's important to note, like, it's not just truth without timing and tone. Like, Jesus' yeah. timing, yeah. tone, and theology are all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's saying, hey, look, this is truthful. He's doing this completely without sin, yeah. right? So this is a great moment moment for a discussion question in our groups this week. Um when was a time when your theology has been correct but your timer your tone or timing has been off? Yeah. Why is time timing theology and tone each important but individually but also together?
0: Mm, mm. That's so good. That's so good because I think that's something that is, we have to really wrestle with in our culture today. How do you put together tone and timing and theology? Um, because every situation is different, and you see Jesus really do it. He walks in honestly, honesty, um, but it's also it, it depends on the context that it's happening. Um, and he's really just truthful, truthful here in this situation. And then it, the, we zoom back out again, back to Peter. Um, you can really see this contrast between Peter and Jesus that's happening here in the narrative. And Peter um, again caught um, red-handed, really, in this section um, as a disciple of Jesus, and he denies it again. Um, and, 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 and it was even a relative of the man whose ear had been cut off, which I think is just hilarious because he's like, dude, I just witnessed you chop off my, my brother-in-law's ear. And I know that you were with him, but then again, Peter denies it, which is really a part of this section that John is doing is I think really setting up, um, Peter's narrative arc of what's going to happen to Peter in John 21 and Peter's reinstatement and redemption and kind of the redemptive story there. But John is showing us kind of the depth of peter's denial i mean the this the the narrative of the person of peter here he's bold he's cutting off the the ear now suddenly he's denying christ to a family member the very person he's cut off that ear and john kind of leaves us hanging here in verse 27 of what's going to happen with peter which we'll find out later in the book of john application will for you from this text
1: Yeah, man. So we are far more sinful than we think. Mm, Like there is only one savior and praise God. It is not us. Yep. Yep. Um, as we say here at vintage, there's a little Pete in all of us, right? So our OST, our ongoing spiritual transformation, uh, what this is doing is like when we sin, it should build this awe of God that he's the one savior, uh, that even our worst cannot separate us from the love of God. Mm -hmm. That when we sin, God chases after us, he woos us back into his grace, For us to have this good life. Yeah,
0: that's so good. So good. I think for me, I love the places in the scripture where we see the sovereignty of God at work, even in the midst of Jesus' death, his arrest and his crucifixion, um, where even he can be being arrested in the garden and he's saying, I am who I am. This reference back to the Exodus narrative, Exodus narrative every time, and the freedom, the deliverance from bondage that came about in that Exodus story. That's what Jesus is doing here is he's bringing about a new covenant and he is being arrested and being put in bonds ultimately to set us free from the bondage of sin. And so even in the midst of his arrest, he's referencing back to Moses and the burning bush and Yahweh who is who he is and says, I am who I am. Um, And that's just a good reminder for me that no matter what is happening, um, no matter the suffering, the trial that you're going through, um, whether you're being arrested in whatever way in your own life, whether you're in some sort of trial, whether the future looks bleak or dim, Jesus is still sovereign, even in the midst of that. And there's a real trust that we can have in God's sovereignty for the the play that's being unfolded here. Like you said, the the characters in the play and the narrative that God is sovereign in the midst of that. Um, And he's still directing it. He's still in control no matter what is happening. Well, to you, the listener, whatever you are doing today at the gym, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, driving your car, we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week.
1: As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent by God this week into your family, into your school, into your workplace, into World Traveler's Coffee, the yeah. gym, and soccer practice, wherever your Pray Watch community might be and wherever God invites you into to be the living proof of our loving God.
0: We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.